Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to this, the Rob Autumn Monthly Best Ofs podcast, where we take some of the favourite episodes from uh, the Rob Autumn Daily podcast that went out in 2020 and put them together in a more of a chunky episode and it is April's episode because we're in April and uh, this episode contains pieces such as Death is My Mr Motivator and it is really um, a soiree interview with Pete Townsend from The Who from the 70s and um, someone said to him, do you get nervous before you go on stage? And he said, no, the only time I'll get nervous is when I'm about to meet my maker and uh, that made me think about, yeah, the, the only thing that really should make you nervous is dying, which I'm not, I'm not sure if I stand by that, but um, I'm definitely motivated by death and thinking about time being finite and just wanting to crack on when I still can. And uh, yeah, that was it really. Then there's a piece about the mouse and the alien that was an M piece from the show. I did about faces called The Face Show. The music that goes with that is um, Allegri, Miserere. It's a choral piece of music that I really like a lot. And um, one time I was looking in the National Gallery and um, outside, sometimes at National Gallery Day, there's people on the steps and they give you uh, flyers for the um, St. Martin's in the Field concerts and I, I always think, oh yeah, I'd like to go to that. Anyway, I got a flyer and I got one and it was that piece of music. There was hardly anyone there really and it was in the afternoon and they did the choral performance of that piece of music and there was some people at the back and some people at the front singing and uh, it really did uh, take my breath away really and there's a very, very good uh, live performance of that piece of music on youtube so that's that uh, natural gadgets i love lava lamps and uh, stuff from the gadget shop you're like oh wow that's amazing and then a fly comes past and you go and then i'd look at the fly and go uh well actually that fly there is a million times more incredible and uh i wrote a piece about that and then there's a piece the end of hair which is an ending piece from my hair show and then one about grim called the grim genie where the grim genie gets made redundant as death so start and end with a bit of death and uh and then uh get into summer really well it's april so end of april yeah it should be pretty light now death is my mr motivator he stands in a brightly lit tv studio on a black gym mat located at the bottom of the back of my mind. Clad in bone-tight lycra, his scythe leans up against the white studio wall. 
death performs out of time star jumps to the music I will have played at my funeral encourages me to make the most of my time on earth write it down say it out loud see how it goes work on it write it down say it out loud see how it goes work on it write it down say it out loud See how it goes, work on it. Write it down, say it out loud. See how it goes, work on it. Death never tires. He makes the energizer bunny look like it's got myxomatosis. On certain days, he synchronizes a single press up with the rising and falling of the sun. He jogs on the spot as I try my best to fall asleep the sound of his exercise metronoming my dreams laughing to himself as he bench presses my gravestone every now and then death falls silent the bones of his feet stand lightly on the black something stops him on the spot he stands confused with skeleton hands on skeleton hips as appalled, as excited, and as gobsmacked as I am at what this world has to offer. The Mouse and the Alien Listening to Allegri Miserere, I picture a large group of faces. Faces facing the same way. Mouths moving with sounds coming out of them. A stage full of eyes, noses, cheeks and lips, varying in age and expression. Some eyelids older than others. I'm excited that I've got a nose and the people singing do too. Faces are the non-stick glue that help me remember we are human beings together on this place. When singing these sounds, were they frowning, or must you raise your eyebrows to get your voice to sound like that? An increasing amount of mouths working together to create something. An audience full of faces watch on. They, like some of us, may have never seen each other before. At the back of the concert hall, there is a small mouse with the face of a mouse, standing up on his back legs with a jaw that has dropped at the sound of the alive life coming from the faces. He has a full-body beard, or is it fur? Wow! Look at that! Look what they are capable of, he thinks, and the hairs on the mouse begin to stand up on end. He resembles a small, soft hedgehog that has been electrocuted by the beauty of human capability. Suddenly but slowly, an alien with a stereotypical alien's face sneaks quietly into the back of the concert hall. The alien looks on, gobsmacked, 
at what it is witnessing. Looking down at the mouse, it whispers, What is that? And the mouse says, That is the humans. The alien, having never seen the beauty of a human face, says, Oh, wow. They're gorgeous. Look at them. And the mouse says, I know. What are those things on the front of their heads? Asked the alien. And the mouse says, Those are their faces. They are singing from them. They are alive and this is what they are choosing to do with their time. The alien looks at them for a minute. That's incredible. What else do they do with their faces? And the mouse says, They look at the world from their faces. They communicate with their faces. They recognize each other in the street with their faces. And sometimes they carry pictures of ones they really care about around in their wallets. And the alien says, Wow, what a species they are. What else do they see from their faces? And the mouse says, Well, you're an alien, aren't you? Can't you travel to any moment in history? And the alien says, Yeah, of course I can. And with that, the alien picks up the mouse and places it on its shoulder. Okay, says the mouse. I'll show you what has been seen from human faces. Are you sure you want to see? And the alien says, Yeah, of course, I'm sure they look incredible. They fade away from the concert hall and find themselves standing on a beach in Normandy in 1944. Bullets fly past them as the mouse closes its eyes and tries to find shelter on the shoulder of the alien. The alien looks at the fear on the faces of the teenagers in green helmets, the blood-stained sand, and the explosions taking the expressions from their faces. The alien, now with someone else's blood running down its cheek, says, What? What are they doing that for? The water washes up against the beach. You can almost hear the sea screaming for the humans to stop. The mouse says, time to get out of here. A moment ticks and they arrive in Abbey Road Studios. They see that focused, determined look on John Lennon's face as the Beatles record A Day in the Life. And then they are standing outside the Dakota building in 1980 and see Mark Chapman look at John Lennon and shoot him until he is dead and the mouse shuts his eyes and the alien says why would they do that and then they are standing in the operating room of a plastic surgeons the alien sees a knife cut into her face and the mouse says let's go and they are back in the concert hall and I am standing there at the back watching the singers I look at the alien and I say what do you think about that then And the alien says, How do you keep going? I look at the alien and say, It's the faces in my life. It's the faces of my mum, my dad, my sister when I was growing up. It's the faces at the christenings of my niece and nephew and the funerals of ones I've lost. It's my girlfriend's face 
and the way she talks to strangers. It's sitting at the top of the hill at Glastonbury, watching the sun go down with my friends and feeling the warmth on my face. It's standing up in front of an audience of faces who give me a chance to say my piece. It's looking at the faces of the people in the street and on the tube that I don't know and trying to stay excited and inspired by the fact that I've been born into something that I will never ever get born into again. To try to remember that one day I won't be able to look at other people's faces with these eyes anymore. To fight, to try and make it the best I can and when the future looks bleak you've got to grab it by its cheeks and pull it towards you and speak right into its face and say... I am not afraid of you. You are my future for the taking and I'm going to go into every situation you throw at me with the determination of somebody who knows he is going to die. To look at others in the face and try to find the magic. To try to use our faces to connect and create, not divide and destroy. To know how incredibly flawed and absurd and beautiful we are as a race and to try and find the optimism and the hope and to find the humanity in ourselves and in others and just breathe in and breathe out and remember that we are the alive ones with faces in our lives and life in our faces. Natural Gadgets Looking out at the Wednesday afternoon storm Pretending the wind doesn't exist And the treetops are moving like that Because they have batteries in their trunks Like something you'd get in a gadget shop When all that is natural is imagined to be from a gadget shop it transforms living creatures into intricate state-of-the-art technologies. The man-hours that must have gone into a fly. How long were they working on the wings to get them to weigh as little as that? They can stick to windows. Worth the £500 I spent on it. The sound of the engine so smooth. The pistons and tubes installed with such precision instruments in immaculately clean factories. A daddy long legs in the bathroom. How did they fit a battery in there? The things people can do nowadays. The fur fuzz of a bumblebee tailored to fit perfectly. What is it glued with? A spider making a web thinking about the people going to work, carefully placing the silk in its body, painstaking. There's not just one or two in the world, they're in stock everywhere. Wow, look at the legs, so thin. The peace lily in the front room is wilting. I better go out and find the correct batteries for it. Looking at the sea as if it's a massive wave pool, gives me a handle on it yeah of course I know what it is and where it came from it was built by a huge team of construction workers before I was born 
Things are made more graspable when you imagine they are man-made. A plastic orange in a glass bowl is easier for me to get my head around than a wild peach growing on a tree that nobody knows about in the middle of nowhere. The end of hair. My hair is thinning out on the top now. It forces me to contemplate the fact that if I don't die, I'll get old. And if I do die, I won't be here anymore and sunsets are going to happen for the living people and I'm not going to be one of them. Aging and balding are so gradual, I am accepting of both. When you're young, you think life ending is going to be a huge event, but if you're lucky, it just creeps in like going bald. Your days fall out until you don't have any left. I've started taking pictures of the top of my head on my phone. I printed one out. I want to take it to the hairdressers and say, you can have this for your window if you want, mate. Put it next to David Beckham. Get some truth in your window. Recently, I found myself looking in the mirror saying, don't go. People like hair when it's on heads, not when it's in porridge. Even the people who put their hair in a bun don't want to eat it. I'm going to have a sunroof soon. If partially bald people have sunroofs, totally bald people must be riding around in convertibles. Top down, the worry is over. I should be pleased my hair is thinning out. It means I'm ageing. Why wouldn't I want to do that? Oh, Rob, no, you don't want to keep yourself alive for too long. It means you get older. Our unique formula thickens the hair and helps hide the effects of ageing. Hides the effects of ageing? Oh, I don't want people to know I've been living and doing things. These anti-ageing products are trying to stop nature from happening to us when we are it. They are attempting to stop us from happening to ourselves. The effects of ageing should be celebrated. Oh, your hair makes you look the age you are. Perfect. You look older. Been keeping yourself alive, have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I've been all the younger ages of me. They are done. Tick. Never again, thank you. Wow, you're young. I'm jealous. I I want to be a baby so I can do it all again. No thanks. Once is enough. I got through it and I got the memory. I want to be an age that I have never been before and I want to be that age tomorrow to see what the future's like even if my garnish doesn't come with me. Last time I had a drastic haircut. I remember someone saying to me, Wow, Rob, your haircut takes years off you. I said, does it? Which years? Years from the future? I hope not. It's not like cigarettes, is it? No, don't worry, it takes years off your past. Years off my past? I lived those years. Do you know the amount of stuff I've had to do to get to this age? Drinking, eating, sleeping, exercising, going to the toilet, getting ill, thinking, taking tablets, getting better, and all they were pleased about was my haircut making me look younger. I want to get as old as I can. I look at people who have been on this planet for longer than me with respect, 
because they have kept themselves alive for more hours than I have. How many glasses of water do you have to drink to be 95? And the really mature ones, I think, wow, they've nearly completed the final level of the game of themselves. If my hair is falling out now, that's just because my hair can't hack it. I am still going. My heart has always been bald. My brain doesn't have a hairstyle. I look at photos of me when I was younger and I think, oh, look at me there. It has to be, look at me now. I blame mirrors. In the land before mirrors, people weren't worrying about their hair, were they? If you wanted to see what you looked like, you had to go and look at yourself in a pond or a puddle or a river. Oh, your hair looks nice today. Oh, does it? I haven't been down to the river today to look at it because I've been focusing too much on survival. If I saw dogs doing their hair in the mirror, I'd tell them not to worry, leave your hair alone. Poodles dyeing themselves pink. Dog walks beat catwalks every single time. We are the only living things on the planet that shave. If I saw a female chimpanzee shaving her legs, I'd say, what are you doing? You don't need to do that. You are perfect as you are. As long as I'm alive, I'll always have a head and be around other people who have heads too. And that is enough for me. Grim Genie I rubbed the golden magic lamp with my palm and the grim reaper appeared in a puff of smoke. A what? I was rather hoping for a genie, I said. Look, I am working as a genie from today as I was recently made redundant as death said Death, looking at the ground with his hood covering his face. Well, I only have one wish and that is to die, I replied. Death stared me in the face and began to sob. <laughs> 